Hey friends, welcome back to the Semi-Seminary, and here we are another week, another installment of our Bible study series. We're calling the Bible for Grown-Ups, so we're going to start a new series tonight. We're going to look at a very small book in the Hebrew Scripture, a book of prophecy by a guy by the name of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is going to really open up, I think, a lot of questions that we all have about faith is going to give us an excuse to be able to feel comfortable with questioning God, to wonder and how God works in our lives and gives us tools in which we can lean into God whenever what we see with our eyes doesn't seem to match what we believe in our hearts. I hope that you'll find this inspiring just like I have. And friend, I will see you on the other side. You know, I think anybody that has ever really contemplated their own spirituality, the possibility that there is a God, whether they believe in it, they consider themselves to be a faithful follower, a faithful believer, or whether there's someone that's just merely contemplated the possibility every human across that spectrum at some time or another in their lives have wondered to themselves If God is good and all-powerful, why is there evil and suffering in the world? I mean, why doesn't God do something about it? Is he there? Does he care? These questions that we feel like might be a product of our 21st century lifestyle, which we're bombarded by information, seems like maybe... We see so much violence, so un- injustice in the world, we can't help but wonder, is God there? Does he care? But here's the thing, these questions, these questions that we think might be contemporary to ourselves, they're nothing new. In fact, around 2,600 years ago, the prophet Habakkuk addressed essentially these exact same questions to God. Now, after being initially shocked at God's response, Habakkuk comes to express one of the most moving statements of faith in the whole of the Bible. Habakkuk asked these questions because of injustice that he saw within Judah, the kingdom of Judah, and the violent and cruel actions of the Babylonians, which they were at war with. Now, while the book of Habakkuk is undated. It's probably set nearing the end of the 7th century BC with Jequim as the king of Judah. The injustice that Habakkuk describes seems unlikely to have occurred during Josiah's reforms. Josiah died in 609. Babylonians attacked Jerusalem first in 605 and then eventually destroying it in 586 B.C. as what as seen in Hebrew Scripture as God's punishment. Now, the prediction of the coming of the Babylonian invasion, which we'll look at right off the bat in the sixth verse of the chapter of chapter 1 of Habakkuk's prophecy, we're going to get to chapter 1 here in just a second, indicates that Habakkuk probably lived in Judah toward the end of Josiah's reign, at the beginning of Jechoam's reign. The prophecy is generally dated a little before or perhaps a little bit 
after the Battle of Karshemesh, which was in 605, when Egyptian forces had earlier gone to the aid of the last Assyrian king, were routed by the Babylonians, and uh, they were routed by Nebuchadnezzar, eventually pursued as far as the Egyptian border. Habakkuk, like Jeremiah the prophet, probably lived to see the initial fulfillment of his prophecy when Jerusalem was attacked by the Babylonians in 597. Now, the prophecy of Habakkuk here records a dialogue between God and God's prophet. Habakkuk will initially ask a question. God will respond, but not as Habakkuk will expect. Habakkuk will follow with a further question. God responds again. Habakkuk resolves to trust that God will put things right based on his revelation and his mighty works of salvation in the past, the basis of our faith. This is captured in Habakkuk's prayer and song, a model for the righteous, which we'll find in the third chapter. It's a really great study of Habakkuk because it's very, very easy. It's one, two, three. There are three chapters within the prophecy, three very nice uh, chunks of lesson. One, two, three about the book of Habakkuk. But God's purposes are often hidden to Habakkuk and to us. But Habakkuk knows, and we should be reminded that God knows what God's doing. God has set a day when God will judge the world for righteousness. But here on earth, what's interesting is we demand justice now. But when God comes to put things right, he'll do a thorough job according to Habakkuk. The promised day of judgment and the mercy for we Christian believers obviously looks forward to the coming of Jesus. For it's through Jesus' death on the cross he bears the punishment of sin and wins salvation for those who trust in him. At his return, Christ's return, we Christian believers believe he'll bring judgment on all who have rejected this rule. But back to the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk was perplexed because wickedness and strife and oppression were rampant in Judah. And it seemed like God was doing nothing. In the end, Habakkuk learns to rest in God's sovereign appointments and await God's working in a spirit of worship. Maybe you've noticed that there are so many questions in life that are just so serious and so difficult for us to answer. I mean, think about it for a second. I mean, you know, we could goof around and say, why does it, why do they say that alarm clock goes off when it's really coming on? You know, why why do you drive on a parkway and park on a driveway? Why is it that people say I slept through the night like a baby when everybody knows if you're a parent, a baby wakes up every two hours. I wonder if you throw a, a... No, never mind. Anyway, thank you, Stephen Wright, for all of these goofy questions. We, we ask these kinds of questions all of the time, but there are questions being asked in the prophecy of Habakkuk that we're going to look at tonight. And they're, they're driving questions about God's justice. Now, we're going to look at this book, Habakkuk or Habakkuk, 
uh, Habakkuk, whichever you, wherever you're from, but honestly, it's Habakkuk. And Habakkuk wants to basically ask in his prophecy, why doesn't God seem fair? Again, maybe you've asked yourself this before. Why doesn't God seem fair? In fact, verses 2 and 3 of chapter 1, we see Habakkuk asking a version of exactly this question. He wants to know, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you, you do not listen. Or I cry out to you violence, but what do you do? You, you do not save. Verse 3, he asks God, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you, why do you tolerate wrong? Now, if you fast forward from this Hebrew scripture book to today, people asks, ask rather these questions all of the time. God, why is it that evil people seem to prosper, but the good people, all the bad things seem to happen to them? I mean, why is it that I work hard at work, I'm honest, and then the jerk over there is kissing up and all this stuff? Why, why do they get promoted? Why is it that the person who gets into all sorts of bad stuff lives to be 102 years old, but the great Christian father dies at the age of 42 of cancer? I mean, God, what's up with that? Why is it that we try to raise our kids according to your word? We really, really tried to do a fateful good job. Now, it seems like all our kids can do is mess up. And then then you look at their kids. You know, the other people, they're not even involved. Their, t- their kids turn out to be okay. Their kids turn out to be ex- successful. Why is that? What's up with this, God? How, does it, how, how is it that I try to do what your word says financially? I try to do the right things and I'm not being blessed. And then someone else out there... They're not even giving and they're being blessed. What's up with that, God? How come someone else, whenever they pray, when they pray, you seem to do things for them immediately. When I pray, you don't do anything at all. How come I still have these headaches? How come I'm still battling with depression? How come, why is it that the person I love is going through this? God, it seems like you could do something, but you don't. Why? Why don't you seem fair? So let's do this this week. What I'd like to do is just kind of set a kind of a context for the book of Habakkuk to bring kind of a broader understanding as we go through these next couple of studies. What we're going to do tonight is look at some of the basics. Now, let me start here with saying Habakkuk is what's known as one of the 12 minor prophets. Okay, there are 12 books that we find in the Hebrew scripture and they're smaller books and they're known as the minor prophets. Now, it doesn't mean that they are less important. It doesn't mean that they didn't play in the major leagues. What it means is we just don't know as much about them. Habakkuk is one of these 12. And and as a matter of fact, of the 12, we know less about Habakkuk than we know about any of the others. In fact, we don't know much at all. But we know that perhaps, according to rabbinic tradition, He was most likely a temple musician, and at some point he became a priest and then a prophet. Now, you might wonder, if you're not around the church world, right? You might wonder, what's a prophet? A prophet who will speak uh, is someone who will speak on behalf of God, okay? God would say, okay, Habakkuk, here's what I want you to tell the people. So Habakkuk would say, right? 
Thus says the Lord. Now, that's how it works. <laughs> but it is not as easy as that. But he would say, thus says the Lord, and he would prophesy. He'd speak whatever it was that his spirit told him God told him. Now, again, this book's written in about the year 600 BC. Take a little bit, give a little bit. We're not exactly sure. But it was a time period where God's people were becoming very corrupt. There was violence. Amongst the people of God, there was corruption. There were all sorts of fights. There was a lot of ungodliness. And you could say, really, it was, well, before we point too many wagging fingers at our ancestors, we might think, well, it's not that different than our society today. There were bad people doing bad things to good people. And even the good people, well, they weren't so good. So God speaks to the prophet Habakkuk and says, these people that I love, they're becoming increasingly wicked. And for your own good, basically, I'm going to punish you. But what you need to understand is, in punishing you, I am going to take a far worse people than you. Those who are much, much more evil than you. And I'm going to use them to destroy you. And Habakkuk says, what? No, God, that doesn't seem fair at all. That's why perhaps Habakkuk's name means uh, what it means, that the name Habakkuk, it means to embrace. Uh, it also can mean to wrestle. So it means to embrace or wrestle, or wrestle and you, unless you're from the South, right? And then his name would mean to wrestle. But uh, this is a, to embrace or to wrestle. And what what we're going to do is, is we're going to watch in these studies and we're going to watch Habakkuk wrestle with God. We're going to watch him embrace God through some very difficult times because what you're not going to get, let me let me just tell you very, very clearly, is, is you're not going to get uh, in these lessons what I call a sitcom lesson, right? I don't know if you grew up watching sitcoms. Uh, I'm of an age, right? Land of the Lost with the Slee Stacks and Marshall, Will, and Holly. It's an awesome show, awesome show. Brady Bunch, Happy Days, Three's Company, sitcom. Friends, right? What would happen in the sitcom is there'd be a little bit of humor. There'd be some tension in the plot. And within 30 minutes, including commercials at the end, everything would be neatly tied up and every problem that was posed within the episode would be solved. A lot of people like sitcom sermons. They like sitcom Bible lessons from their pastor. A little humor, maybe a little tension at the end, a nice poem, a little story maybe gives us a little tear. We walk out, we stop listening to the podcast, we feel a little bit better about ourselves. Everything's neatly tied, right? You ever you go on with your life, everything seems to be okay. Okay, well, here's the thing. That's not the kind of story that we're going to find in the three chapters of the prophecy of Habakkuk. In fact, what we're going to get is the absolute opposite. Something more like, in my opinion, what results, uh, what results in a uh, real-life lesson. Tension, drama, Plenty of unanswered questions. So, with that foundation built as to kind of what this book is, let's dive in 
Let's start in chapter 1, verse 1. reads this way. The, right? The oracle, the prophecy, that Habakkuk the prophet received. Now, again, what's an oracle? The Hebrew word for this word is masa. It means an utterance. It means doom. It also means a burden. When God gave the prophet a burden, he gave him a, a burdensome message, a dooming message, a message that he's going to say, uh, let me say uh, like this, like, God, I don't want to be the one that has to tell everybody this. Put yourself in Habakkuk's sandals. What if you were convinced in your heart that God had called you to tell your friends and neighbors that their lives were corrupt. God, don't put this burden, masa, on me. They're not going to like this. Nothing good is going to come out of this. In fact, he's going to push back. He's he's one of the only he's the only one of the 12 of the minor prophets that actually pushes back and makes an argument with God. It kind of gets right up in God's business in verse 3, 4, and 5, chapter 1. Habakkuk says this. He says, God, why do you make me look at injustice? He says, why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. In other words, if you, you, know, you might look at it in our day and age. He might be saying, okay, God, I don't get it. Right? There's a drunk driver on his uh, fourth drunk driving that crashed into a car and, and, and killed a kid. What do you say for that, God? What about the girl who keeps hopping from bed to bed to bed? She's pregnant time and time again. Boards the kids over and over again. We're a godly couple. Our only prayer is for us to have a child and we just can't get pregnant. What do you have to say for yourself, God? Our kids go to school some... Angry 14-year-old came in and shot up eight of them, innocent. Where are you in those things, God? Terrorism, corruption in the word pl- workplace, right? It's, this is basically what Habakkuk is saying. What? God, what's go- well, look what's going on here. He goes on in verse 4. He says, therefore, the law, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. As far as I can see, right? Nothing is turning out fair, Habakkuk thinks. Basically, Habakkuk has three major problems with God. We're going to see here chapter one. And let me, let me summarize uh, the problems that we're going to see at the very beginning of this prophecy. The first one, he's saying, God, basically, number one, you don't seem to care. You're letting all these things go on in the world that just don't seem fair. God, you just don't even care. His second complaint to God is this. And you know what? You're not doing much where you could. Now, there's some respect in this, as if, as if to say, God, I know you could. I know you're all-powerful. I believe you could. You could do this one little thing that would change everything, God. And I mean... Habakkuk say, God, if I was in your shoes, I would do it. And I don't know why you don't. You don't seem to really care. You're not doing much when you could. And number three, what you are doing doesn't seem fair 
either. In other words, what Habakkuk was saying is, God, if I was in your shoes, I would do things totally different. Now, be honest. Have you ever thought something like that? To say, God, I don't like the way you're doing it. I mean, I mean, between you and me, is that even legal? Right? Is God going to punish us for feeling this way? Is it even appropriate for us to think, God, I don't understand. I'm not sure I like this. Is that fair game? Well, in my opinion, I think when you look at Scripture, it's absolutely fair game to question God. In fact, not only is it fair game, but there are times when questioning God could become a significant part of your faith journey. I mean, we read these kind of things in the Psalms all of the time. One third of the Psalms are people crying out to God, what's going on here? God, are you going to rescue me? God, are you going to leave me here forever? God, what is up? Right? We've been studying the book of Job as well. Look at that book. Reading the book of Lamentations. These are very godly people. Faith-filled people crying out, have mercy. God, I thought I did everything you said, and now what is going on here? As Christian followers, right? If you don't believe that, skip to the New Testament. Look at Jesus when he's on the cross, completely obedient to his Father in every single way. Then, as he becomes sin, God pours out his wrath upon Jesus, and God turns away. And Jesus says, my God... Why? Why have you forsaken me? In fact, in fact, so many people I think are, are they're afraid. We're so afraid to bring questions before God. And I want to argue that sometimes, sometimes a very important part of our faith journey is being honest and taking our questions sincerely before God. Here's the holdup. I think here's where I think a lot of people are. Here, let me ask you this question. What do you do when what you see with your eyes is different than what you believe in your heart? This, you see, I think was Habakkuk's fundamental challenge. Let me explain it to you like this. Okay, Seth Golden is a guy who writes a lot of good books. Great blog. He wrote a book called The Dip where he uses a chart that's basically like a wave. A wave that kind of starts and goes up, and then the frequency of the wave causes the dip to go down and then back up again. You could imagine a wave, right, in your mind. He wrote a book called The Dip, and he uses a chart that basically has this wave. But we're going to use this concept of a wave that starts high and then comes down at a dip and goes back up. We're going to use it in, in a totally different way than, than Seth Golden intended. So let's, let's uh, do this. Let's say that there's a person who's, who's without faith, right? And, and they're at that starting point. You're a person that, that you're, God's doing something in your life. The cool thing is, right, you, you might be listening to this podcast because you're seeking more. Because something 
that God is doing something in your life, right? Maybe God is reaching out to you. God, God is softening your heart towards him. At some point, the Holy Spirit does something in us. And we're thinking, okay, God, I believe you're real. I believe your son is the son of God, and I surrender to you. And at that point, boom, right? So often, so many of our lives completely change. I mean, boom, major changes. And all of a sudden, we're different. We get a skyrocket, a spiritual high, that beginning of that first wave. We're praying. It seems that God's answering our questions. We're having all those kind of God coincidences, right? Your friend's starting to look at you and say, you're weird. What's happening? You're making some changes in your life. You're going to church now, right? You sit in the church and you can hear the sermon and man, that sermon is just for you. You're like, dude, that is exactly what I needed. That was just for me. You get in your car. Your favorite song's on the radio. You go to the mall, parking spot, space, right out front, just for you. Right? Everything. Jesus power right in front of you. And then before long, you don't go to church, or you do go to church, rather. Or the sermon, maybe this time, it doesn't quite speak to you. And you're like, well, that's weird. You get in the car, your radio doesn't play the song that you like. That's weirder. You pray, and instead of God doing what you asked, the opposite happens. What's, wait, wait, what's going on here? And then one day, someone you love gets sick and doesn't get better. Someone you care about gets in an accident. Things don't turn out the way that you thought they would. And you enter into something that Henry Blackaby calls a crisis of belief. Wait, uh, God, uh, now, uh, uh, I thought we were good, God. I, all of this was working out. I thought everything, uh, God, was uh, great, right? I was trusting in you. You were working in me. But now, but now based on what I'm starting to see, it's, uh, it's very different than what I thought. And I'm not sure what I believe right now. Typically, when this happens, people go in one of two directions. One is they deny reality and they say, I want to go right back to where I was. In other words, if the doctor says I'm sick, no, 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 no. I'm not going to have a negative confession. No, no, I'm healed. No, I'm just going to deny it. I'm healed. If you lost your job, right, doesn't matter. I'm not going to get a job. I'm just going to believe that God's going to provide a job. You go into an almost denial, like just positive thing. I'm going to go back to where I was. And I think that that's dangerous. I think it's almost denying reality. Hey, friend, if you've made it this far in the podcast, I just wanted if I could just take a second to ask a quick favor. However it is that you're listening to us, if you could subscribe to us, however that you're listening, if you could subscribe or follow to let yourself know whenever we have new episodes coming out. More importantly, if you could rate us, if you could provide us a review on however it is that you're listening, it really helps us out. It also gives us uh, some feedback. 
just to let us know you're out there listening. You appreciate what we're doing. It's very, very kind to have caught the feedback that we've received from people so far, and we would love to hear from you. So if you could rate the podcast, if you could review the podcast, please make sure to hit subscribe or follow. That way you'll catch all of the new content here. We certainly would appreciate uh, all of it. Now back to our story tonight. Others, though, they get mad. And they're like, okay, God, I thought, but you're not. So forget you. And they go right back to the beginning of the curve. Which is, if this is going to be how it's going to be, and you're not going to do what I thought you'd do, then you must not be who I thought you were, so forget you, God. Let's just not play anymore. And right now, you you might be there. You might be thinking of someone who might be there. Again, it might be you. Something happened. You got hurt. Someone did something to you. Someone let you down. God didn't answer a prayer. And you said, you know what? Forget about this. And you forget it. What do you do when what you see isn't consistent with what you believe? And you're not sure what to think about God. You can go one way, denial. You can go the other way, anger. Or you could take the more difficult road. And that is to say, God, I'm still going to trust in you. And God may take you on a journey. And let me tell you, right now, it doesn't mean that things are going to get better right off the bat. In fact, in fact they often, they, they might get worse. And things, things may get more painful. You may have even, even more faith struggles. But if you continue to stick with God, no matter what he does around you, I can assure you that if you hold on to God, at some point, God is going to take your place, take your faith rather, to a place of intimacy, trust, and security that you never, ever, ever even dreamed possible if you're willing to go through that season of doubt. In fact, everybody that I know that is really intimately, intimately connected with God, really, really close with God, almost everyone that I know has been through this type of season. The New Testament says it this way. Brothers and sisters, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. That word perseverance, hupomanye, it has the connotation of being disciplined under something, being able to handle a strain, and as a result, become stronger. Hupamanye. Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God may lovingly allow you to go through a season of doubts of questioning, fear, insecurities, unanswered questions, 
because God is going to do something in you that he couldn't do any other way. And you might be right there, right? And that right there, that's where we start to feel the dip. Our initial spiritual honeymoon is over and life has kicked back in and every day is it the way that I expected it to be as a follower of Christ? And what happens now, right? Right there in this moment, whenever what you look around and see doesn't match what you've come to believe, you're in chapter one of the prophecy of Habakkuk. You, you don't know what to believe right now. You're in the middle of chapter one and too many people walk away from God in the middle of chapter one of the story. And let me just tell you very plainly, ch chapter one is all about wondering, God, where are you? And God, what are you doing? And that could be a very, very important part of our faith journey. And that's where Habakkuk was. God, what are you doing? I don't understand. And God responded. And what God said was not, <laughs> was not what Habakkuk wanted to hear. Let's look at God's response, verse 5. God said, Habakkuk, you want an answer? Okay, here you go. Look at the nations and watch. And be, he said, and be utterly amazed. He said, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. He said, look at the nations and watch. And be ta-ma. Ta-ma. This is the Hebrew word. It means a sudden, alarming amazement. It means to be astonished. It means to be marveled. In other words, God is saying, whenever I tell you this, you, what you're going to do is you are going to lose your mind. You are going to be knocked off your feet. You are going to be utterly amazed. Verse 6, he says this. He says, I am raising up the Babylonians. God says, I am raising up the Babylonians. Boo, right? The ruthless and impudent people. Listen, listen to how God talks about his instruments of justice. Who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places, not their own. These people, they're thieves. He said, the Babylonians, they are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves. They promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards. They're fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen, they come from afar. They fly in like vultures, sweeping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Here's the story, Habakkuk. You guys are kind of bad. They, they are much worse. And I know, God says, I know that every single one of you hate them, but I'm going to use them to destroy you. And Habakkuk, the prophet of God, is like, what? I mean, Put yourself in that story, right? You'd be like, wait a minute, God. I'm not that bad. So, here's the deal. 
now that we know what's coming and not only are we in a down slope of our crest of our wave, but now we know it's only going to get worse. So what do you do when you're in the middle of chapter one and you're not sure what to believe? You want to believe, but you have so many questions. Can you still be a deeply committed believer with a lot of questions? Here's something I hope can be freeing to you. A deeply committed believer can express simultaneous questions and faith. Friend, may that set you free. A deeply committed believer in God at the same moment can believe in God and yet still be a little unsure. To give you a great example, Mark chapter 5. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 9. And you can read the story if you want. It's about a father has a son. He's possessed with an evil spirit. And this evil spirit's messing up the boy's life really, really badly. Right? And the father seeks out Jesus and says, Jesus, can you do anything about this? And Jesus was like, dude, I am exactly the guy that can do some something like this. I can do anything. All things are possible with me. And then Jesus asked him a question. Do you believe that? And the father said this. He said, I do believe. Sort of. Here's what he actually said. Very literally. He said, I do believe. Help me to overcome my unbelief. See, there was a time when I really did believe, but you don't understand, Jesus. Jesus, my son's been hurting, and I've been praying for him to stop hurting for a long time. And Jesus, I pray and I fast and I pray and I fast. I took him to every doctor. I've been doing everything that your word tells me to do. I've been believing, but right now, Jesus, it's not so easy. You see, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And if you could follow this, basically what Jesus did say is, okay, you watch, right? I, I, let, I'm going to do something you're not going to believe, and it's going to be so amazing that you'll never doubt in that way again. But you wouldn't have got there unless I had taken you through your crisis of belief. This is exactly what God and Habakkuk are going to wrestle with. Verse 12 through 14 of the prophecy watches Habakkuk has simultaneous faith and questions. O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One. He says, we will not die. Statement of faith, right? You may wipe me out and all of my contemporaries, but my children and my children's children are people. We will come back. This is a statement of faith. Then he questions again. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You, You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you so silent when the wicked swallow up those 
more righteous. God, Habakkuk says, I believe, but it's difficult. And friend, maybe maybe that's where you are. You're in chapter one. You might remember the comment I made earlier, the cheesy comment about the uh, sitcom thing. I got bad news because chapter two isn't much better. Number one, you're wondering. Number two, you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. Chapter three, if you continue to stick with God, though, you're going to come to a point no matter what you see around you, you'll worship God. Not because of what you've seen with your own eyes, but because of of whom you know God to be. No matter what goes on around you, you will worship God because of God's character and God's nature. So what do you do when, if, you're in chapter 1? You do the Habakkuk. You embrace God. You wrestle with God. And that means no matter what is going on around you, you, Habakkuk, you, you hold on. You wrestle back and forth. And you you might even say, I don't understand. But you continue to embrace God and you never let go because no matter what happens. And I cannot promise you a better life necessarily, but I can promise you this. He will never let go of you. Habakkuk. Here's where you like the nice story where it sums it all up. And I have none. Because sometimes when we are in the chapter one dips of our life, we have nothing to do but wrestle and embrace God. Well, I hope that was as meaningful for you as it was for me. I think it's super important for us to really focus on our ability to to connect with God, to have a relationship with God, to have a give and take with God. God desires more than anything our hearts. God desires a relationship with us. That means at times our embracing God and our wrestling with God. Remember, friend, our doubts, our doubts are absolutely an opportunity that we might seek a more sincere faith. So if you're in a spot right now and you're hurting and you're in that dip of your life, maybe maybe you're looking around and, and what you believe just doesn't match what you see with your heart. Friend, I just want to encourage you to embrace God, to lean into God, to trust God. For in that you'll find that perseverance the perseverance that will give you peace and understanding. Not always comfort, but peace. Friends, I hope you next uh, join us next week for another episode of the Semi-Seminary. We're going to look at chapter 2 of Habakkuk. Until then, friend, be blessed. <laughs>